You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? This is the Coach's Corner. It's We're going into week five. The Chiefs are 4-0. I am Justin Dumageyser, joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb. Caleb, what's going on, brother? Well, uh, we're recording this episode a few days after normal. Had a few technical difficulties. No big deal. Um, It's kind of interesting we're doing this after the big Chiefs-Patriots game because as it's come back this uh, this morning, today on Wednesday, that uh, Stephon Gilmore, the quarterback for the Patriots, has in fact tested positive for COVID. Yes, he has, and there's been a few cases now um, in the NFL that have come up. Um, the Raiders have their own. Maurice Hurst, he's on the COVID IR list. Like you said, Gilmore, um, on top of all the COVID stuff, there's the hurricane that is about to hit New Orleans, so their game might get moved to Monday, it looks like, in, play in Indianapolis. So I, I, my thought right now, what if they just make this a bye week for the entire NFL? Do you think that's something viable and something that's on the table for them? I think that uh, we most likely would enjoy seeing that. I know there's just going to be a lot of problems. I know college football, LSU got their game against Mizzou, actually moved to Columbia, Missouri due to that hurricane. But it seems like it would make sense for the NFL to just go ahead and take this week off because one, the COVID situation seems to be getting a bit out of hand. Um, not as much as we saw from like college football teams early earlier this year, but with the way the NFL is testing and stuff, it certainly rises some alarms about how we might be able to proceed this week. So I think it would definitely be a good idea to take this week off and kind of reset and come up with a better plan. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's just something that right now looks pretty scary, I would say, with the Titans situation already happening. And then now the Titans having two more players or two more people in their facility testing positive after taking the entire week off. Um, it just doesn't look good. When, when one person tests positive, it's likely that more are coming. So hopefully it doesn't snowball too far out of control. But I think that if need be, the NFL should just go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to give this week a bye. There's the COVID stuff going on. There's a hurricane happening in New Orleans. Let's uh, let's give everybody a break, push the season back a full week. I mean, there's nothing. There's no reason why not to. I mean, the NFL's got nothing but time um, to push this back. And if they have to play into March, then playing to March. I think that's the easiest way to do it. But let's talk talk some positive stuff here, and and we'll move on to the the big win that the Chiefs had over the Patriots game, in a game that they didn't look like themselves offensively. But that is what Bill Belichick is going to do. He's going to throw something new at you, and he has done that every single time that the Chiefs have played them so far. Um, in Patrick Mahomes era with the Kansas City Chiefs. But the defense is where I want to start for the Chiefs, and they looked completely dominant. Um, granted, you know, it was Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham 
Um, they defended the run well. They forced some turnovers, and they really, the Chiefs were really able to lean on them to get the win. And uh, it was pretty, pretty exciting to see um, moving forward because every game is not going to be perfect. So you're going to have to have two good units to win the Super Bowl, and it looks like they definitely have that right now. No, I absolutely agree. And the entire defense from top to bottom, it was probably the best showing we've seen out of them all year. The defensive line was absolutely dominant all night, even without their best playmaker, Chris Jones. They not only showed their depth of just how many good players they have in that unit, they showed that it really truly is the strength of this defense. And that's no slight because the Chiefs secondary also played a great game, and we'll get into that here in a moment. But the Chiefs defensive line looked unstoppable at times. Mike Pinnell who is technically Chris Jones' backup, even though we know we see him in a high capacity most of the time. He finished the game with 11 total tackles. He was absolutely dominant in that run game, whether it was shedding blocks or just clogging up those run lanes. Frank Clark played another outstanding football game. He recorded a big sack to run the timeout at the end of the first half and leave the Patriots without any points. But he also made several other plays, setting the edge, and he made a play on a wide receiver screen where I've never seen him move that fast before. It looks like whatever problems he was having due to his uh, stomach condition last year all gone. He looks explosive and healthy four games into this year. And, you know, it's even some of those guys you don't really get to hear a lot about. Taco Charlton comes in and busts with a bust open a uh, – jumping cross chop pass rush move to get past the Patriots right tackle comes in strip sacks on Hoyer and then we also got to see our young guys like uh Tershawn Wharton come in and play well and of course Derek Nottie played a good game but overall a tremendous performance up front from those guys yeah, the D-line has been absolutely balling, and they're, they're just so deep right now. Um, you know, they've dealt with some injuries. Chris Jones was obviously out for this Patriots game. Alex Ogafor was out before this, um, and they just they just keep rotating guys through, and they're all seeming to make an in- impact. And really, Taco Charlton, he's a guy that has kind of gotten bounced around the league because he hasn't performed to what his draft position was. And it looks like he's really starting to find um, his own and find his own spot and make his own mark with the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's just another kind of under-the-radar great signing by Brett Beach where Charlton's really come in and he's one of their better pass rushers on the edge. I would say at this point, obviously Okafor's been hurt, but he might be their their best second-best edge rusher right now that they have. He is getting constant pressures. Um, he's getting sacks, you know, he forced the turnover. It is, like you said, he had the freaking flying karate chop move, um, to get pressure on Hoyer and force the fumble. So it's, it's, uh, it's really good to see, um, the rotation that they have along the front. And then, like you mentioned, not only is it the front, but they also have everything on the back end. You, you know, we know about the safeties, we know about the honey badger and we know about Thornhill and those guys obviously showed up. Um, Honey Badger had two picks, one of them called back for a very questionable defensive pass interference call, and then he had the uh, pick six gift wrap to him by Julian Edelman, which was was very nice, Um, but then Thornhill also had the interception 
on the uh, deep pass over the middle there that Hoyer overshot um, his target, and Thornhill was in great position to go up and get it and make the play. But then, you know, Rashad Fenton, a guy who I've been pretty critical of, had a very nice game um, against against that Patriots offense with uh, multiple pass breakups, multiple stops. Um, and, and the best part about it is <laughs> Rashad Breland is about to come back. You're absolutely correct. Um, when Breland comes back, I think he's going to add just another another level of confidence. You know, Fenton, he had four pass breakups. He had a good game. Now, do we really want him on the outside when uh, we have Ward back also and Breland? Not necessarily, but should this game give us a lot of confidence for Fenton's ability to cover the inside and maybe have to cover the slot at times? Yes, I think that's going to give us a lot of confidence in that degree. Um, the ball doesn't lie. Um, the Honey Badger is going to get his interception one way or another. He can either get it the hard way or the easy way, and the uh, – that pass interference call might have been a makeup call to the Patriots from some things earlier in the game, but uh, there's a reason why the Patriots dropped the most passes of any team in the league last year. Their receiving core is not great, so it was nice to see him get the interception. I think Juan Thornhill looks like he's back to his old form. The Patriots' receiving core isn't that great, so it is positive to see the secondary really come out and you know, we saw a lot of players on the Chiefs kind of play down to the level of their competition, kind of saw some things of that nature this week. The Chiefs secondary really came out, and it wasn't close. I mean, they looked like they were the better unit, and they were clearly much better than any quarterback the Patriots had and any wide receiver or tight end they had. Uh, massive props to them for that. That was huge. We also got to see um, some Willie, we had a more Willie Gay sightings. He played the most reps he has so far. I believe he had 25 reps as compared to the 20 reps that uh, Ben Neiman received. And, you know, when we saw Willie in the game, a lot of the time it didn't seem to be him sitting back there and like a traditional linebacker, but I noticed they walked him up on the line of scrimmage a lot. They were letting him free run gaps, basically, some of the stuff we've talked about earlier on this show when Willie first came in, he might take a little bit of time. The process, he might not quite be there for him to be an every down player. But when you have a guy that physical and that athletic and who just loves to go there and blow things up, you got to find a way to get him on the field. And I think they did that. And so hopefully this week coming up against the Raiders, a team who's honestly very similar to what we just saw in this, this iteration of the Patriots we saw this week, I think it'll be interesting to see if they do more of that with him this week. There's two plays that really stand out to me when I think of Willie Gay's performance against the Patriots. And I think that's kind of like the synopsis of where he is on the year um, this thus far. And it's the Patriots, obviously they wanted to run the ball. So they lined up in a pro set, which is um, two receivers, one tight end, one fullback, and obviously the running back, um, and they just ran a weak lead play to his side, and he was shot out of a cannon and just blew up the fullback in the backfield, um, and it ended up you know, resulting in about a no gain or maybe a half a yard gain because the rest of the defense was able to swarm and, and make the stop. Um, it's something that I don't think that we've seen from the, the Chiefs linebackers is just the, that – 
flash of explosion, that athleticism, the physicality, um, the not sitting and waiting and getting caught in the, in the wash and letting linemen get up to you. Um, so that was a great play. And then the other play that I think of is they run a toss to the right, again, to his side. Um, and it would have been the defense's left side, the, the Patriots' offensive right side. They run a toss that way. And he kind of gets caught inside and tries to go under the block instead of scraping over the top. He might have got held a little bit. but um, And they were able to get the edge, and they picked up about seven yards. So, like, that's – that's you're going to get good and bad with him right now. And I think that's where he kind of is, is but you can, you can see – you can see it's coming, right? He hasn't played a ton of reps. That's the other thing I think we got to kind of remember is why he's probably sat out and for as long as he has, and they're bringing him along slowly is he didn't get a ton of reps in college. He missed a lot of games. Um, but obviously he is just such an athletic freak that you want to get him in there. And once he starts getting the reps and once he starts figuring it out, I think, I think we're going to have an absolute monster on our hand. Um, and I, I hope to see that he keeps progressing in that sense um you know and I was kind of going back to like the looking at the looking ahead a little bit on the schedule they have the Raiders coming up and we'll get to that game in a little bit and then they have the Bills and the way that the Bills are throwing the ball I think that uh one of the good things as we talk about that secondary is is the depth that they have because they're going to be able to run guys out there and they're going to be able to put you know safeties on the field they're going to have to put multiple corners on the field and i think that's going to allow a lot of versatility and even going down the road you know with the way that these teams want to play the ball if they if they're playing you know say that if they get to the super bowl and they're lucky enough to get there you know if they play the, the seahawks or the packers who right now russell wilson and aaron Rodgers are just balling out you're going to want that that depth along the secondary to be able to put those DBs on the field in multiple defensive back sets and, and double up some of these receivers. The Seahawks right now, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, there might not be a better duo in the NFL of, of pass catchers the way that those guys are playing. So they're going to need that depth um, down the road. So that's really good to see. And then, you know, obviously the Jerry Sneed, who was balling out as a rookie, um, is now injured, but he'll be coming back as well. So that's that's super good to see. Um, any other takeaways, any other big takeaways from, from this Patriots game? I think that the Patriots aren't a team that you're going to want to see in the playoffs. Personally, I think that Belichick is just, he's so good at what he does that that's not a team I want to see in the playoffs. No, I don't necessarily want to see the Patriots in the playoffs, but if we do have to go against them again, I feel somewhat confident that the Patriots might've showed their best hand this week on defense. Because though though the Chiefs' offense did look stagnant, I mean, Travis Kelsey only had three catches, but those three catches, he was able to accumulate 70 yards. Somehow in that horribleness that was the offense on Monday, Patrick Mahomes still managed to get two touchdown passes on those flip passes, and he still threw for around 235 yards in what was not his cleanest performance by any stretch of the imagination. Now, another thing that I thought was a big issue was the Chiefs' run game, and specifically their situational running. Um, They had several runs. I did the calculations last night. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he had 16 total carries. He tallied 64 yards. Nine of those runs went for three yards or less. That is, nine of those runs went for three yards or less, meaning he got basically almost all of his production in just seven carries, which is kind of wild to think about it. But the Patriots were really setting the Chiefs up with, like we were talking about in the group chat that night, 
they were trying to induce the Chiefs to run the ball on early down by showing like they're going to drop seven or eight back in coverage. But they were doing a good job of moving their defensive line and blitzing their linebackers and also um, having their defensive backs still be around the line of scrimmage and fill quickly to come get those seams. That and the Chiefs offensive line, just another showing from them where they looked confused. They really took advantage of Andrew Wiley's inability to move laterally. They were making him have to reach block, and they also, to uh, counter the Chiefs' inside zone, which is a staple of the Chiefs' running game and a staple of the Chiefs' offense in general, they were stunting play side and getting the alignment on different levels and causing problems and then filling gaps with backers, not really letting Clyde cut back much. The Chiefs did find a counter for this by the end of the game. They started to finally stretch the perimeter with the perimeter run game. And this is the first time we've seen this all season. It's something that I've been wanting to see for a while. The Chiefs have a very athletic unit of tight ends and a pretty two pretty good tackles. They started running pin and pull and counter, and those plays look good. But the situational running on first and second down was really setting up tough situations for Mahomes and the offense have to overcome on third down. And the Chiefs were not very good on third down. This game, which is opposed to last week against Baltimore, the Chiefs were killers on third down. This week, I think they only went like two for seven. So that's something that uh, is going to need to be improved upon, especially this week, but especially against the team like the Raiders with a very poor defense. I expect the Chiefs to come out all cylinders firing. I expect that as well. I think that they're going to absolutely obliterate the Raiders. And I'm usually the pessimist that is like terrified of every game. But I really think that after, you know, Mahomes not having his best game and probably his worst game as a pro, he's going to want to come out and um, do some things. And I think <laughs> we are going to see that. But uh, to touch on the, the Patriots defense, it's just something that like you look at what Belichick does and it, it's so smart. He He's he's like a chameleon. He just adapts to whatever he has to do to stop the opponent that he's playing. It's not one set thing. And I think he's like one of the one of, or if not the best examples ever in the history of coaching to be able to do that. He doesn't have a set game plan. Yeah, sure. He has maybe some base stuff, but he's going to, he's going to adapt like what he was doing with the, the Patriots defense against Kansas city. They haven't seen, you know, he was putting light boxes in. He was playing one linebacker, one safety in the box, playing some four man lines, daring them and forcing them to run the game because they're playing two high safeties, you know? So it's like, all right, we have to hand the ball off because we've got a light box. Well, that's what he wants you to do because he doesn't want the ball in Mahomes' hands. And then it's like, okay, so now we're going to go a five man front with one linebacker. We're going to put seven, you know, six, seven DBs on the field and we're going to drop eight in coverage. So the two, edge man on the line of scrimmage on either side we're going to absolutely crush kelsey when he comes off the ball so to disrupt that timing but then we're going to drop them into the flats we're going to kind of do this little mud rush by the three defensive linemen up front we're going to keep mahomes in the pocket we're not going to let him scramble around and try to make a deep play and we're going to force force these guys to dink and dunk and force them to really not be able to get the big plays that they're used to. You know, they're going to play man um, with their fast and athletic corners and then beat the crap out of Kelsey and then play in the flats and keep Mahomes in the, in the pocket to not let those big plays that you're used to seeing. And it really was a great game plan because the Chiefs did not have much of an answer for it. Now, eventually the talent just 
um, was too overwhelming for the Patriots. Um, the Chiefs are just too good. Mahomes is just too good. They, you know, they were still getting some chunk plays, and they were still they, their biggest issue really was not finishing. They had two first drives where they settled for field goals, but when what, what the Patriots were doing down in the red zone is when you drop those eight guys in coverage, you can't you can't run past anybody because the back of the end zone acts like an extra defender. So you're just kind of like boxing everybody in there and just loading up that, you know, that, that box with people, which doesn't allow for um, a lot of space for those, those fast chiefs receivers to get open. So it really was a great game plan. Um, You know, I don't know if any other team could even do it really because you, you just, it's tough to play man against the chiefs for a consistent long time. Obviously Gilmore is tremendous. And then obviously JC Jackson and Jonathan Jones, and they have just such a wide variety of D backs that are able to match up Kyle Duggar that they drafted. Um, you know, they have just a lot of guys, the McCordy's. So they got a lot of DBs that other teams don't have. So they're able to do this kind of stuff, but it's also Belichick drafting to stop the chiefs. I mean, that's what he did. He drafted to stop the chiefs cause he knew what was coming. Like he's not dumb. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame and has the most wins in all these Super Bowls for a reason. He's not He's not dumb. So it was really impressive to watch. Um, any other thoughts on the, on the Patriots game, and we'll shift gears to the Raiders? Just one more thought. Like you were saying about that uh, red zone, them dropping those guys back and using the defender, that's where I think the Chiefs really have to get good at actually running the football. I know we were able to scheme our way out of it with those uh, – sweeps down there with the shovel passes and the sweeps and the great play designs. Andy Reid was able to get his electric guys, Tyree Kill and Harmon, the ball. But it would be I would feel more confident if we could get the ball inside the 10 and be able to hand it off to Clyde and have some way for him to be able to gain positive yards without the offensive line losing one on one blocks and getting pushed back. That's a scenario where I think that running the ball is going to be key, but like you said, let's get on to the Raiders. Um, they're coming off of a loss to the Bills, I believe. Um, I'm not real worried about Derek Carr. I think he's going to be the AFC West's new Phillip Rivers, a.k.a. the guy that's going to throw a lot of interceptions to the Chiefs. So hopefully we see some of that out there this Sunday if they do play. This isn't a matchup that frightens me really in any sense and you know obviously so the Raiders last week against the Bills they were missing Henry Ruggs they were missing Brian Edwards they're two starting wide receivers Richie Incognito is out for the year um, at left guard and honestly I think the one of the biggest issues for them has been Incognito being out because he was he was just playing so dominant and really grew to at his core he wants to run the ball man he wants to get the big lineman up front and he wants to pound that ball to Josh Jacobs and then use his play action and stuff um, off of that and then take his deep shots. And that's why he drafted Henry Ruggs to be able to do that. Um, who is one of the fastest guys in the NFL right now. It's defensively the way that the chiefs are playing. This isn't a game that they should be afraid of matchup wise. Now, obviously it's a rivalry game. It's the Raiders. You can't take any division game lightly, especially with, especially with only one um, bye week in the playoffs. So you got to come out ready to play, but they, they are better across the board at almost every single position when it comes to an offensive and defensive matchup. Um, 
I think that the Chiefs offense should just absolutely annihilate this defense. The the Bills just absolutely shredded them um, in every sense. Uh, and Stefan Diggs was out there mossing dudes. You know, I watched I watched the full game there um, this past Sunday. So it's it's I really think going to be a smash spot. And the Chiefs have just dominated the Raiders basically since Andy Reid has come into the Chiefs organization as the head coach. They they really dominated the entire AFC West, but he really has has dominated the Raiders. I was at the game in Arrowhead last year um, in late in the season that the Chiefs won, and it's just it's never it never really seems like that the, the Raiders are threatening to even like scare them for a win. You know, the or last year the first game that they played them, they put up what twenty eight points in the second quarter or something like that against them. Yeah, it was just something wild like that. Um, I mean, the Raiders' secondary is not good. I mean, maybe there's some casual fans saying, well, what's stopping the Raiders' defense from doing what the Patriots' defense? Well, they don't have the personnel. They obviously don't have the secondary. And if I'm the Oakland Raiders, I think that it's going to be a bad day because the Chiefs have won just won a, a game against a very good very well coached new england team by double digits and the first thing you hear from the quarterback patrick mahomes is we got to get better and what do the chiefs do when they need to come out a feel-good game to get things going they just come out and whip up on the raiders so um if oakland can run the ball effectively and take advantage of that they might make it close for a while, but you can't run the ball for forever against the Chiefs and expect to be successful. The Chiefs' defensive line also, I know the Raiders have that big, massive offensive line. Um, they're kind of designed to run the ball, but with Jacobs, like you said, the Chiefs' defensive line is playing so good. I don't know right now what offensive line in the NFL could block those guys up, and hopefully we get Chris Jones back. Hopefully he's back and ready to go because he's really terrorized. Derek Carr really he's really been a menace and a problem for the Raiders in the past so hopefully he's back and ready to go it's going to be a good overall matchup for the Chiefs to kind of test their test out and get right like I said on defense I really want to see Willie Gay but I overall just I don't really see this game being much of an issue but I do see the Chiefs I think they're going to keep unlocking the playbook and I think we're going to get to see them hit their rhythm even more as an offense this game. The biggest matchup um, that really I think that they have to not, I wouldn't say be worried about, but maybe just the matchup to watch is obviously I would say Darren Waller for the Raiders, the tight end. Um, he's probably the you know third best tight end in the NFL after Kelsey and Kittle. He is an athletic guy. He's a big guy. He's a big receiving target. They move him around a lot. They'll line him out, you know, as they'll line him up a lot like the Chiefs do with Kelsey. They'll put him out wide. They'll put him in the slot. They'll put him up as an inline tight end. Um, you know, they'll put him as a wing. So they, they move him around quite a bit. And he is he is athletic. I would expect a lot of Daniel Sorison in that matchup to, to, to find him and Tyron Matthew, um, you know, if they get manned up on him. But they'll use a lot of those inside zones. And that's just something where if you have to rely, you don't want to have to rely on Anthony Hitchens or Damian Wilson in coverage or Ben Neiman for that matter, who is just, he's not good. Um, but I, I think that would be if the, the one matchup I would look at for the Raiders offense against the Chiefs defense, that is something that I would probably look at um, the most. One, uh, one more quick thought on that uh, Raiders matchup. 
Um, Willie Gay, one of his biggest strengths out of Mississippi State was his ability to rush the passer. We have touched on this multiple times on this show already. Last The last two weeks, we've finally gotten to see him. Last three weeks, we've gotten to see Willie get some run in there on some rundowns. They've let him go in there and blow things up. I would be hoping that this is the week that we can finally see him in a blitz package, especially against a quarterback like Derek Carr, who does not make good reads at times and can get flustered when rushers come unevaded into the pocket. I would really love for this to be the week that we get to really see what kind of Spag's plan for a pass rush perspective is with Willie Gay, because, you know, he is fast and he has, we've seen him kind of go in there and blow up linemen. So it seems like maybe this week would be the week to have him try to blitz the Raiders, but that's just one thing that I'll also be looking for this week. Yep. Sorry, my mic was muted. Yep. I, uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I, I would like to see Willie in coverage more because, like you said, he is so athletic and he he did do such a nice job of that in college. Um, something that I want to ask you about in Chiefs Twitter has been a blaze um, the last like 24 uh, to 48 hours with is the Meikle Hardman situation. There was some tweets sent out um by some chiefs people that mccall hardman they're concerned with his development in in his second year and where he is right now and i i've got a, a few thoughts on this and i had a long conversation with a couple people on twitter about it and it is something that is it's literally i'm, I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around some of the things that are being said and it, it literally, I'm just, I'm like, I, I can't even, and I, I don't know if I'm way off base on this, but like, it blows my mind that we're in four games into this guy's second year and he's only played receiver ever because don't forget he was def- defensive back at Georgia before he switched to receiver his, his last like two years, I believe. So he's only into his, he's only into his, he's four games into his fourth year ever playing wide receiver and we're worried about his development and where he is. And he's only a gadget player. I, I don't know if we're, and then the, the arguments are trying to be made. Well, he's not getting used. Well, his usage and his skill sets are completely different things. It's it's they're, they're totally different. He's his usage right now is because of the way he fits in the offense. I don't know if people expect him to, to be a guy that's going to demand, you know, eight to 10 targets a game. He's not because the chiefs have Tyree kill. And they have Travis Kelsey, and they have Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and then they have Sammy Watkins. Like those are the guys that are going to be demanding the targets right now. He's used in those vertical situations, in the deep overs, in the jet sweeps, in the fly sweeps, and that stuff because that's how he fits in the office right now, offense right now. But to say he isn't um, developing as a receiver, I think is unfair. I, I watched last night against or Monday night against the Patriots, and I pointed this out in in video and in pictures that. There's two plays where he specifically beat their corners in one-on-one situations and press man. Okay, now I get it's two plays out of in one game, but if you're telling me he's not developing, he just he beat Stephon Gilmore on a hitch. Which okay, you're saying oh he can only run hitches and goes. Mahomes threw that with timing, so obviously there's trust there. You have to be able if you're throwing a hitch into press man, you have to think that your guy's going to beat that corner, and you have to put it at a spot where you think he's going to be, and he did. He 
press man. He pushed and he made Gilmore turn his hips and start to run with him, put his foot in the ground, and the ball was right there on his chest. That's 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 development from a guy who came in with very little experience play the, playing the wide receiver. So I don't know about you, but it just it blows my mind to call a guy a gadget player and be con, being concerned with his usage and his role when when we're four games into the second his second year ever in the NFL. And to be fair to the people that are making these comparisons, these are the same guys that said Chris Jones can't play the run, and they were trying to get everybody used to the idea that. He's not going to be in Kansas City very much longer. And then the Chiefs went out and spent a bunch of money. And Chris Jones, in the games, the three games he's played it, he's looked absolutely dominant against the run and equally as against the pass. So, to be fair, this is coming from those guys that were saying things like that. So, we don't really know how credible their IQ is on this type of matter. But it goes back to what you said. I mean, people want to compare McCole Hardman to Tyree Kill. Y'all, Tyree Kill might make the Hall of Fame. He's that good. You know, McCole Hardman, I think at his best, is going to be a Tyler Lockett-like player, like was pointed out to us. He's got some aspects of his game that I tell people kind of remind me of Chad Johnson, but they immediately go, oh, his route running route. Well, you watch the way him and Chad Johnson catch the ball. Ocho, he's got some Ocho in his hands when they catch the ball. When I What I mean by that is he doesn't let it into his body. He catches the ball out. There was another time he beat coverage, one-on-one coverage. They just had a high safety over to the top, so not really much he can do there against the Patriots in the red zone. We haven't even seen the tip of what this kid can do yet. And I just He's 22 years old, for one. He is ridiculously young to still be in the NFL. He could still be playing for Georgia right now if he had eligibility. Yeah, if he was still at Georgia right now, he'd be getting hyped up like Henry Ruggs was last year. You can guarantee that and write that down. So I don't know why people are freaking out about it. They want to call him a gadget player and a usage player and compare him to DeAnthony Thomas. Guys, when was the last time DeAnthony Thomas was a focal part in the Chiefs downfield passing game? Because they I've had claims made and to me. I've had people claim that DeAnthony Thomas was a big part of the Chiefs downfield passing game for a while. I don't know. I don't ever quite remember seeing any of that. It seemed like kind of an irresponsible take. Oh, well, you compare them just because DeAnthony Thomas did like took the little flips and jet sweeps that uh, McColl does now. Hmm. Like you said, you're in offense. Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, guys that demand targets and touches, you know, and you're still a young guy developing. Why would Andy Reid just not do anything with a guy that fast and that electric like that. Wouldn't he just try to find some kind of a way to get his young kid involved? So at the same time, while he's developing his skill sets even more as a, as a every down wide out as someone who I believe will be the chief's number two wide receiver next year. Um, yeah. Why would they not just go ahead and run some flip plays with him, get that stuff going. He's going to make an impact down the line. I don't, I think people forget last season when we played the Patriots, the Patriots were doing almost the same thing for large portions of the game until Hardman hit him with the Wasp route and the Chiefs went up by a couple of scores. I think people kind of forget about that, but you know, you can look at his playoff production and say he's not burning anybody. We have his, those playoff games when uh, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey each had about 10 catches in all those games, and Sammy Watkins was also so – 
It's like you say, who do you want him to take targets from right now, but why can't they just keep him involved while he's still developing? We haven't even seen the tip of how good this guy is going to be. So, But then, like you say, those guys that make those takes, they need clicks, they need things to do. And instead of just giving a very, very young, raw football player props for the improvement he's made, they're going to compare him to someone like DeAnthony Thomas, who was never really good. So I don't get that. It makes no sense to me. But if you're a betting man, I'd bet on Hardman to keep improving and getting better because that's kind of how some of those takes have been from those guys over there. And to put this in context, and I don't I don't think that I don't think that like if you just pluck stats out, it's the best way to compare to compare players, but to put it with some context, I don't think that a guy like DeAnthony Thomas, who never in his career had more than 25 receptions, never in his career had more than 160 yards receiving on the season. I don't think that is a guy that is even comparable to McCole Hardman. If he was better, if he had any skills in any development, he would have had a little bit, of, bit more production. I don't care if you're talking about you know, t- talent-wise, development, receiving, route running, whatever it is. A guy with that poor of stats obviously is not going to be compared to a guy who in his rookie season had over 500 yards receiving. Yes, you want to talk about, oh, he can only run verticals. Oh, he can only run jet sweeps. Again, w- that is where he fits into this offense right now. That's called good coaching. That's called understanding the the scheme and the talent that you have and how all the pieces fit together. Why do you think that they're, they're so dynamic on offense? It's because they have all these pieces, and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy know how to fit them together to make a dynamic offense. That's how it works. So I, I it's just I couldn't I couldn't believe some of the stuff that was being said and some of the takes that were happening um, the other day. I just think that and and also too just. Stop rushing to judgment, man. We're four games into the second second year of this guy's career. Like, let's let's give this a little bit of a little bit of time um, to see what heck, how this kind of plays out. But that's my thoughts on the McCole Hardman. I thought we would touch on that on the on the pod instead of just on on the Twitter machine. But um, any other thoughts? Any other closing thoughts um, coming up for this week? Lord, I hope we have no more positive tests. I know. Uh... It's going to be a long waiting week. I know we've got the announcement today. It's going to be the same thing tomorrow and, and on Friday and on Saturday. I'll probably be up at 7.30 Arrowhead time, more than likely checking Twitter, even if I don't need to be up that early, just so I could see what the deal is with all the tests. It's going to be a very interesting week for how the NFL handles things. I hope they get it right. Um, we're going to try not to worry too much if need be, if they have to move it back, then they need to push it back and start to reschedule things. But I think right as of right now, it's unrealistic to say that the season is going to go as completely scheduled because the Titans now look like they might be missing two weeks of football in a row. Um, I know the NFL is launching an investigation to see what was going on down there. Um, for the, the thing that's interesting, though, the Titans had a mass outbreak while all we've seen from other teams is just individuals or small. We've had a guy here, Jordan Tayami, tested positive. So, so far, nothing bad from that. It could just be, you know, it could be something as unlucky as going to the store and contracting it. I'm curious to see what was going on down in Tennessee. It kind of 
is pointing in the direction that there were some major protocols violated to be having an outbreak of that capacity because at the same time, the Minnesota Vikings, the team they played just days prior, has no tests. So it kind of seems like something was going on there. How the NFL disciplines the Titans for that will set the precedent for how the rest of the season goes. So it'll be curious. I'll be interested in seeing how all that turns out. Yeah, my my biggest thing too is just let's let's make sure that everything is under control that needs to be under control. Figure out how to to minimize the exposures, minimize the amount of positive COVID tests. People just need to make sure they're being responsible. Like, and for God's sakes, NFL, put some rules in that you say you can't do handshakes or any of the, the bull crap that happens at the end of the game. These guys all know each other. Send a text and say good game or something. Like, come on. We don't need to be handshaking and dapping up and giving each other love at the end of the games at this point with a national pandemic going on. It's just a bad look. It's just, it's just not smart. It's dumb. Let's, uh, let's minimize all those things and, and get uh, keep the season going. That's my biggest thing. Um, Caleb, why don't you tell everybody what you're working on and where they can find you? All right, y'all. So you can find me at CJ Scoobs on Twitter. As always, I've got an article that came out this morning. I took a closer examination at the Chiefs running game. That article is up right now, so go take a look at it. I'm working on a, another piece to highlight just how excellent the Chiefs defensive line looked. And then in the GMKC this week, my weekly column, I will be talking about how the Chiefs secondary is kind of right now exactly what Brett Beach imagined it to be, a very physical unit, a very just a very confident physical unit. So it's kind of what he was looking for. It was the plan. So I'll be writing about that. And I also have another podcast going lately called uh, Chiefs Take Podcast. I'm running that with one of my good buddies. So we uh, that w- I'll actually be recording that tonight. So that should be up tomorrow. Check that out if you want some Chiefs takes. Uh, yeah, man, why don't you take it away and uh, let everybody know what you're finished on and close her down. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as always, jdiz1617. Um, you can also find me on Arrowhead Live. I write articles every week. I just finished up my power rankings um, for this week going into week five. So be on the lookout for that article that should come out today. And you can also find me. I also do another podcast. It's called Ballin' Over Beers. Um, it's uh, me and a couple buddies. We talk everything, sports betting, DraftKings, and DFS and season-long fantasy sports. So if you're into that sort of thing, make sure you head on over to Border Fuel, and you will uh, be able to find that. Um, we just recorded that one last night, so that should be dropping this afternoon as well. So that one's a lot of fun. We give out our favorite beers and stuff like that and then give you the, the betting and the DraftKings picks and stuff. So that's a good time for sure. But uh, let's uh, make sure everybody you're using the hand sanitizer, washing your hands, and wearing your mask, man. We want football to keep going, so don't do anything that's going to put that in jeopardy. But uh, we appreciate everybody being here. If you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you're, you're sharing it around. Get your friends to listen. Get your family to listen. Um, you can find us uh, everything over at Arrowhead Live. Appreciate you guys being here, and we'll talk to you next time. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!